way things are. Um, and it doesn't matter how many positive affirmations you chant, you'll still live out of what you actually or anything like that. It's just that we don't know any other way, and that's just how we see life, and that's what we live out of. And so long as we can live within the confines of the map, we don't necessarily challenge it. Until there's no room for that anymore, and we get desperate enough, and we decide that we need something more. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie called The Room. It was about a woman who was kidnapped, had a child, and the child who'd been brought up in that room never knew that the outside world truly existed. He'd never experienced it. He'd heard of it, but when he actually finally went out into the world, it, it blew his mind because to him, that room was all the reality that he'd ever known. And that's how it does with us. But as Christians, we're all in this process of conforming and renewing our minds to the map of God's truth. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that that leads us into the will of God. So my first point is that we're transformed by the spirit of truth. We're transformed by this renewing of our mind with the truth. And we're transformed into our best life, into what we're created to be, into everything that we desire that's good for us, into a relationship with the truth. Because the truth isn't some objective ideal. It's actually a person. And it's his image that we're transformed into. So in that process, if you're really chasing God, you know, there'll always come a time when there's an area in which you feel like you're stuck or an area in, feel, in which you feel like you're just not growing or you can't seem to break through. Um, and it's comforting to know that even Paul the Apostle in the Bible had that same feeling. In Romans 7.15, he says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. And if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now that it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Why can't I make myself do the right thing? My intentions are there, but I can't seem to just follow it through. Um, you know, what is this sin that dwells within me? Because isn't it God that dwells within me? And we wonder, you know, are the, are the circumstances? We can think that the circumstances are really the problem. Or, you know, feelings of shame or guilt or fear. Um, we might feel that we can't get close to God or feel his closeness or we want more power in our lives. So, you know, we try all the things we, we should or maybe we don't try the things we should, but we're not sure why we don't try the things we should. But despite all our good intentions, we're still just stuck. Um, and that can feel us leaving, leave us feeling sort of, you know, discouraged and frustrated and wondering, is it me? Am I just not one of, you know, those people, those holy people, those disciplined people? Is it because I'm lazy? Is it because of the devil? Is it because of my mother? <laughs> we get a lot of the rap, don't we? Is it because of the circumstances? You know, is, and there's this temptation, especially in church, I think, to hide it or to ignore it or just fake it, right? So I get really excited. If you know me, you know I get really excited when somebody's honest enough to tell me that they're in that place. Um, I think it's a great opportunity. And it's, it's not that that place is fun because it's just not. It's not fun to feel like that. But James 1-2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Not because it's joy at the time, but because it's an opportunity for transformation. It really is. 
And sometimes we need to be at the end of ourselves. We need to be desperate enough to be willing to do the work that it's going to take to change that kind of paradigm of the mind and to challenge and test, what do I really believe? What do I truly believe? And to reframe my life back into the way that God sees it and go to another level in God. And at that point, we can face the truth or we can run and hide <laughs> and we can go around the mat again and, and God will always bring us around. Um, now, my friend Ange has, uh, has experience in this and she's given me permission to tell her story. You might know Ange from the cafe out here. Um, I've known Ange for as long as I've been in this church, I think for like 14 years. Um, and when we met, I thought, what a lovely lady. She'd been to Bible college. She was a solid Christian. She was lovely, but she was struggling. She was in that place where she was stuck. She was suffering from severe bipolar, and she was in a manic episode, and her family wanted to put her into hospital, and Ange didn't want to go. Um, and she was really desperate. So we started this process of unpacking um, all of her thoughts that were in her heart and in her mind. And the first thing often you have to deal with is shame. Because shame's such a killer. Shame stops us bringing the truth before God. It, it, it just stops us from getting revelation and setting us free. Like, it's such a waste. Don't waste your time being ashamed of yourself. You don't need to. Um, for her to know that it didn't mean she was a bad person, this, we were talking about her behavior, not who she is as a person. It's a very different thing. We need to take a really non-judgmental look at what we just do, what we do. Because it's bravery, it's really bravery to stand there and face yourself like that. It's the bravest thing. I really respect her for that. And you can't change what you don't acknowledge. It's as simple as that. God doesn't want us to be ashamed. He wants us to have an honest, forthright relationship with him where we just spill our guts and tell him everything. We absolutely do need to challenge and question our behavior. Um, and being full of faith doesn't mean that you deny it or you gloss over it. It's, faith is not pretending. Because God is not shocked or, or amazed by your imperfections and your failings. It doesn't surprise him. He already knows. So through this process, God was doing with Ange, that God was sort of doing, Ange was starting to form this picture of how her bipolar was operating in her life. So this is what it looked like. On one side, she had the parent. Now, the parent was very responsible, the chart-making, serious, um, couldn't have any fun, um, but was very diligent, but deeply depressed. On the other side, she had the child. Now, the child was creative and fun and could hear from God, but heard God on every channel all at the same time and, and wasn't able to make life work. And then in between were these bars. And when she was in the parent, she couldn't have fun and creativity. She's nodding her head. <laughs> and when she was in the child, she couldn't make her life work. And for her, that was just reality. That's just how it was. But then, but God, you see. But God started to reveal the truth to Ange. Not my truth, not my revelation. I don't, I don't have anything great to give. Um, but through her relationship that she was building with the spirit of truth, telling her the truth, and, and building those parts of herself, letting her know she was accepted, that all parts of herself could come to the table and would be loved. And yes, she needed a sister in Christ to accept her and to show her and to encourage her, but it was through the prayer, the asking, the verbalizing, the listening to God, and he began to show her that that picture was a lie. And he actually said to her in the end something like, what if there is a third option? What if there is an adult that can take the best of this 
and the best of that and find a balance between the two. And when he showed her that, she was set free. She was honestly revolutionary set free. Now, I'm not saying this is the answer to all bipolar. Please don't misunderstand me. And that does not mean that you don't use medication if you need to. Um, so I'm not saying that. But I am saying that when God brings his truth, it can set you free of anything. Anything. And Angie's a walking testimony to that. She now runs the cafe team. She runs a connect group. She's got a rocking job that is high pressure. She's pushing on in every area of her life. Her marriage is flourishing. Her kids are flourishing. Like, just go talk to her. She's incredible. Wow. God knows what he's doing. John 14, 16 says, He will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. He lives in you and he will be with you. Yeah? So uh, my second point is that we're transformed by the word. Now, the Bible clearly shows that we're in this battle, right? Um, between good and evil, between truth and lies, and between God and the enemy. And to get free, I think, you know, we need to know what's actually stopping us. And the word says that we fight, fight not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces. So as much as we don't focus on the enemy, we do need to know the tactics of the enemy. Um, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ Jesus. So the battle is against lies, pretensions, arguments, thoughts, strongholds that try to lie to us and challenge us to believe a lie about God, ourselves, others, and the world. Our enemy in this fight has a job description. He's called the father of lies. And it says that when he speaks lies, he speaks his native tongue. His native tongue. Wow. But we have divine power to demolish those lies with the truth, with the word of God. There's a scripture, you know, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. The spirit of truth that is in us is more powerful than the father of lies that is in the world. Truth is a person. Jesus says in, Jesus, uh, in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is the enemy's defeated. Colossians 2, 15 says, He, being Jesus, ruled, uh, disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. The enemy can attempt to attack, but he can't win the war. Jeremiah 1.19 says, They will fight against you, but they will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, says the Lord. Isaiah 54.17, No weapon formed against you will prosper. We sung that today over and over, like we believe it. The enemy has no power over us. Luke 10.19, I have given you all authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, that's the devil, and to overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. But see, the devil's sneaky. And he's been around a long time, and he's figured something out, that even if he has no power over us, if he can convince us to believe a lie, then we will give him the power that we have, or we won't know the power that we have. So his, lie, his tools, then, are lies, deception, manipulation, confusion, and fear. So we'll give up before we even get the victory, because we don't believe it's ours. 
And we won't challenge the lie. We won't apply the word because we don't really believe it's the absolute truth and that it has power. You see, we don't, we don't read the Bible for God's sake. We're not reading it to please him. We're reading it for us. We're reading it so we're armed with the truth. We're full of the truth. We have a relationship with the truth. And then that shield of faith, you know, can defend us from those lies getting to our heart. And the sword can cut down the enemy when he tries to speak to us. Because the enemy wants to reframe that map in your mind with lies. Then he can just stand back and just watch you live it out. And you think the devil's messing with your life. And and we're doing it. Because we believe it. Because here's the key. It's not so much what happens to you that derails you, it's what you believe about what happens to you. Took me a long time to learn that, believe me. (laughs) And God wants to reframe your life with truth through this relationship that we have with him. And then the truth will simply work in our lives. And the but the battle for that is real. And I don't minimize that because life is hard. And I can testify to that. I mean, like you, I've been through my share of battles. I, was, I grew up in a Christian home, a good home in some ways, but very dysfunctional. My parents were really wounded people, had horrible upbringings. And a number of really bad things had happened. And I got really sick when I was a teenager. And then when I was 16, I was, let's say, assaulted a couple of, several times. Um, and after that... I had a good relationship with God. I had a strong relationship with God. But at that point, a lie got in. And I stopped believing that God would protect me. I couldn't deny his existence because I knew him. And you can't unknow him. But that lie kept me from the presence of God for a long time. And I went away and did drugs and did everything else you can possibly imagine to try and forget that I knew this beautiful God. Um, and it took you know, God a lot of years to get me back. But then when I came back, we got married Um, We were in church. I had, again, many years of bad illness. I had autoimmune disease, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, high testosterone, tachycardia, polycystic ovaries. I can't remember them all. Head to toe, right? You can, you know, I wasn't supposed to be able to have children. (laughs) So much for that. Uh, (laughs) So I was in church in New Zealand. I was a worship leader. I was going to Bible college. I got sick again to the point where I literally couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't take a shower. I couldn't stand up. And God said to me, if you go to Sydney, you'll be healed. As much as I wanted to believe that, it took me a long time to go, really? Okay. So 14 years ago, we came. We had no job, no home. We didn't really know what we were doing here, except that I would get healed. And we joined C3 Roselle, which was a really good start. (laughs) And God began to take me through this process that that I walked Ange through later on. He began to show me the lies that I'd believed. And as a result of my life's experience, what I had chosen to believe, and he showed me the pictures in my mind and in my heart and the statements that were in me that were contrary to the word of God, and the word of God came alive. It came off the page and spoke to me. It was personal, and it was immediate, and it was real truth. And the word of God became a person and not just a theory or or something I should do. Reading the Bible wasn't something I should do. It was something that gave me life. And he revealed himself through the word as my counselor and as my father and as my healer. And he showed me that it wasn't what I'd been through that was destroying me. It was what I believed about what I'd been through. And I'd, because, you know, you see many people go through the same experience, but they all come out with a different outcome because they believe something different. 
incredible. John 16, 13 says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Wow. And that's the only real truth. The word of God is the truth. It's not by, you know, modifying our behavior, although discipline and obedience are really, really important. But true godly behavior comes out of a place where your relationship with the spirit of God has set you free and he's revealed your word and it's coming out through you. We do what we do because of what we believe. We're not illogical. We're not stupid. We're not crazy. We're doing it for a reason. Our behavior comes out of that. And whatever scripture you quote, your actions will line up with what you believe. And then you'll speak it and you'll create it. You know, it's really tempting to think the answers are out there somewhere. Somebody else needs to change. Something else needs to happen. Our circumstances need to change. But I promise you that what you truly need is to hear him and to know him, to let him speak. And then if we're ch- we change what we believe and the word really lives in us, then everything around us will change. It has to. It has to obey the word of God. And it does. So going through that process, I was not only emotionally healed, but I was physically healed. In March, we moved here. In June, I was healed of almost everything. September, my reproductive system was healed. October, I was pregnant. You know, and that's what God does. And now, if something tries to take me out, I know that God will protect me because he healed that lie. And I know that I have the word as my sword, and I know I can go to him, and I can trust him to get me through it and to win. I know I'll win every time. And that's my third point. We're transformed by faith because that's the truth. We win. It's not even close. It's not even close. According to the world, after what I've been through, I should be a wreck. I should be a basket case. (laughs) But nothing that happens to you, somebody said this today, nothing that happens to you can stop you from living the life that God wants for you. Nothing, but you have to believe. Man, is God repeating that today? God has all this abundance, all this blessing, all this power available to, to us. The problem is not who you are. The problem is you don't know who you are. We don't know who we are, how powerful we are, how loved we are. And if you feel that you don't know that, go, go do Tiffany's course. That, that's awesome. Because we don't believe the full truth about who we are in the eyes of God. We have no idea how loved we are, right? And oh my goodness, how the church would train, change if we all really knew that and lived that. People would be so attracted to us. They would flock into this place, and that's where we're getting to, right? We would have confidence and expectancy and power. Because at salvation, you got this bank account, right, of goodness and blessing and power. You got it. Everybody got it. And the key card to it is your faith. But if you only think there's $5.65 in the account, that's all you're ever going to withdraw. There might be millions in there. You'll never know. There's $5. See if I can get five. I can probably get $5. Yeah, get $5 out. Whew, really believing. You know what I mean? But if you're a Christian, then you have access to it all. Pastor Phil Pringle didn't get more than you got. Pastor Ward Lucas didn't get more than you got. Isn't that incredible? We have access to it all. And God is begging us to access it. Your sin does not have to stop you because Jesus paid for your sin. The devil does not get to stop you. Jesus took care of that on the cross. Your past, your personality, your mental illness, your anger, your pain, your fear, your circumstances, insert the word there, right, that you think is stopping you. 
we have access to it all by faith. And can you imagine even for a moment how your life would look if you could really believe that? If you could really live in a place of expectancy of that? That childlike faith, man. I mean, look at those boys from Wentworth Park. I didn't do that. Faith did that. Faith did that. And their lives are being recreated, transformed, healed every day of the week. No service, no handout, no government department can do that. God can do that. Faith can do that. And God does it every day of the week and twice on Sundays. (laughs) And we should expect it. We should expect it. Not even be surprised, but delighted, yes, but totally expecting it and more. The Bible says greater things than these we'll do, even than Jesus did. Greater things than Jesus did. Let's live in that reality. Because faith's not afraid of our reality. It's not afraid of your circumstances, your dysfunction, your mistakes. Faith doesn't need to deny or pretend. Faith just says, but God, but God. If the devil had written my story, it would have been drug addict, wheelchair, no children, no hope, but God. Yeah, yeah. Let me finish with this scripture. Well, first, he can do immeasurably more than you can ask, think, or imagine. He can do immeasurably more than you can ask, think, or imagine. Psalms 31, 19. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who take refuge in you before the sons of man in the secret place of your presence. Amen. Amen. Thanks, church. What an amazing message. Come on, give Liz a great big hand for that. That was phenomenal. Transform lives. That's why we're here. Your life transformed. And people who aren't even here yet, their life transformed. Living the life God called them to live. It is possible. It is possible in Jesus' name. Why don't we close our eyes right now? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Actually, I don't want to. I don't want to embarrass her, but uh, Ange, do you want to just come out here for a sec? I'm sorry, but can you just come out here? This is this is Ange. <laughs> can we give Ange a big hand? Thank you for so much for letting uh, Liz. I know you've shared that testimony as well yourself, but uh, allowing Liz to share that. But uh, you are a living example of what the gospel can do. Liz is a living example. There's many, many other people here who are living examples of the reality of God's truth. That is what it's all about. And then taking that message and telling other people who are in in that place as well to say there is another life, there is another way. The promises of God are real. You've got to believe it, though, before it happens. Before it happens. Before it happens. And uh, Ange is just such an incredible blessing in our church. I think, I think you might have even been the first person that ever came to church <laughs> when we started 18 years ago. So um, I just wanted to, uh, to honour you and, uh, and bless you. And so can we give uh, Ange another great big hand? Thank you. <laughs> and Liz as well. I mean, it just it blows Nicola away. Give her a big hand. 
to, uh, to see transform lives. That is what it's about at the end of the day. And Jesus Christ is the one that does it. Transformation is achievable. I mean, Sam and Maddie and, and all these guys from Wentworth Park who are now, well, they used to be our homeless guys. Now that they're not homeless anymore. <laughs> they're actually in homes. That's the gospel. Transformed on a journey. They're not all there yet. But uh, neither am I to tell you the truth. <laughs> but I just want to—I want to encourage you. No matter what you're facing, whether it's uh, whether it's a, a financial situation, a relational situation, a circumstance, a history that Liz—you know—and Liz's story, I'm sure, is not unique. Uh, we are living in a broken, fractured world. It is not a perfect place. Stuff happens that God did not orchestrate and did not design but stuff happens because it's a broken world but it doesn't matter what happens Jesus Christ can bring healing he can bring hope he can bring transformation and bring about his promises in your life in your life in your circumstances in your world that's the gospel that's the gospel so when we close our eyes right now Father we thank you thank you for the truth that is in Jesus Christ. We reject the lies. Help us to see the lies that we are believing and living out every day that the devil, the father of lies, has convinced us are true. To take hold of your word, to believe that, the, that this word of God is actually true. It's true. Well-being, spiritual and social well-being, prosperity in every area of our life through Jesus Christ, to be the head and not the tail, to be over and not beneath, to be a leader, an influencer and not influenced, to make a difference through your spirit and power in Jesus' mighty name. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior, I would love to give you the opportunity to pray a prayer that asks Jesus Christ into your life. That is where it all begins. Or maybe you're away from God right now and you know you're away for whatever reason and it doesn't matter, but you're not living the way you know you should be living. Deep down in your heart, you know you're away from God. Just as Liz was, grown up in church. Maybe you've had a church background. Maybe you've been to church before. But you're here today, you know, in your heart, that God is not number one. You don't trust Him. I'd love to lead you in a prayer here today. bring you back into relationship with Him and begin to live the life He's called you to live. If you're here today, you've never prayed that prayer or you're away from God right now and you know that, why don't you lift your hand and say, yeah, that's me. It's an indicator to me and to God that you mean business with God and you're taking a step back into fellowship and connection and into the hope that He has for you. Just put your hand up so I can see it. I'm going to pray with you at the end of the service. Just put it up high. We're going to pray. Thank you. Who else is there? Say, yeah, that's me. I need to do this. I need to pray that prayer. Let's put it up high. 
If you haven't put it up, just say, yeah, that's me. We're going to pray. That's where it all begins. Who else is there? Say, yeah, that's me. Why don't we all stand? Also going to ask, uh, if that message resonated with you, uh, at the end of the service, I want you to come forward. I'm going to get Liz to pray for you. Maybe there was something in there and it, God was speaking to you, identifying something. Uh, I want you to come forward and just agree and pray. I'd like Ange to pray as well. Ange, to come out with Liz and pray. Uh, and to agree with you guys that God's purpose prevails to break any lies. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty in God for the demolishing, the pulling down, the destruction of strongholds, the Bible says. So don't go, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll deal with it. I'll, no, come forward. Pray. Believe God. Take that step and allow God to do something, to shift your thinking. You'll be amazed at how things will change from this day moving forward as you make that step. So uh, God bless you. What a great morning. Hey, give the Lord a great big hand. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, God. Hope you can hang around, grab a coffee out in the cafe. Uh, love to meet you. If you're new, love to meet you out in the cafe. Hope you find out more about the church. If you want prayer, come forward. If you put your hand up, come forward. Liz and uh, Angie are going to pray for you here this morning. God bless you.